Welcome everybody to the seventh episode of CG Cast. Today's the fifteenth of October. My name is Olivia Archer, and today I have Robert Chang or Lunatic. You may know him on various forums such as CG Talk and etc. Today we have a mini interview with him. Plus, we're going to discuss about art and stuff like that. So, um, Robert, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, let's see. I'm thirty-two. I was born in Taiwan in nineteen seventy-two, and then.、Uh, Moved to the states when I was eleven, which was、uh, nineteen eighty four, and I pretty much grew up in the states. And then、uh, about four years ago, I came to China. I didn't mean to stay, but I ended up meeting someone here and got married. So I stayed in order to keep her company. So when she gets her immigration visa, she could go back to the states with me. So I've been in China for four years now, and she did get her visa just recently. So we're in the middle of planning on、uh, going back. So I should be back in the states soon. Well, I grew up with Japanese animation and manga because in Taiwan they have very close ties to Japan. So you know, all the kids in Taiwan they watch anime and manga ever since they were born. So that's I think that's a pretty important influence because. Uh, Japanese animation and comics are highly imaginative, and at that age, that sort of influence stays with you. I'm pretty sure that kids who grew up with something like manga and anime versus kids, for example, in another country that didn't grow up with that exposure, I'm pretty sure the average level of creativity between the two groups would be very different. What's your opinion on the explosion of manga in the United States? It's become a big craze. I have mixed feelings. One part of me is happy because when I was into it, it wasn't mainstream, and you couldn't find it anywhere. And you had to go to a place like Japan Town in San Francisco,、uh, or go to Japan. So it wasn't available, and there weren't a lot of fans. You had to seek them out from conventions, especially trying to find、uh, subtitle versions of the stuff that's coming out. It was very hard because everything was fan sub. But now you have more titles than you could shake a stick at. The negative side is that a lot of crap gets put out because once you start a line, you know there there are only so many good titles out there. But you have to keep the company.、Going. Going. So you have to keep getting the rights to titles that are not as good, just to sustain business, I guess. So we see a lot of crap these days, and I think the level of、uh, storytelling in anime in general for the past, I guess, ten years or so, has gone downhill a lot. Because I I grew up with this stuff in the seventies, the eighties, and the early nineties, and to me, that was like the golden age. What anime? What do you recommend? What movies do you recommend that people should see so they can get a good idea of? Original storytelling. There are so many different genres of story in Japanese animation. I guess you sort of have to sample each genre. But I would, if I had to name some for people to, for, let's say, for someone who's never seen、uh, any Japanese animation before, I think the first thing they should. See, just to sort of、uh, hit them over the head with the example of how powerful animation can be, is to for them to watch、uh, *Grave of the Firefly*. I think that one, and and not just in、uh, Japanese animation, but in the medium of animation, period, is probably the one feature film that I think transcends genre and medium and style or whatever. 
because it's it's a very human story and it's very profound. It's very moving. It's it's something that you really can say is a piece of art, whereas you can't say that about a lot of other animation. Grave of the Fly Fly is definitely one of them, and then of course you have to see some of Miyazaki's、uh, films. I mean, pick any; none of them are bad.、Uh, but my personal favorite is probably probably Kiki's, not because. It's his best film, but simply because I like it more on the person Kiki's. What, yeah, what is it about?、And、it's it's about a, a a cute little witch, and it's about her journey of self discovery, and、um, you know, sort of finding her place in the world. And、uh, it's sort of a story of、uh, growing up, I guess, because in the in the beginning of the film, she、uh, sets out to、uh, live her own life to be independent. But she doesn't know what she really wants to do, and there's all these uncertainties. I think I'll check it. But she eventually, yeah, it's it's really good. It's, it's very charming, and that's why I like it. I mean, of course, Miyazaki's other films, a lot of them probably have a tighter storyline or superior technical production values. But Kiki's,、uh, it's got a special place in my heart because it's probably the most charming of his films. Sounds interesting. Yeah.、So. Yeah. So I mean, so Grave of Firefly, one of the Miyazaki films, doesn't matter which one. And I think、uh, some of the old classics, stuff like、uh, Galaxy Express, Nine Nine Nine. Let's see what else. The Macross movie. Macross. Do you remember Love?、Um, of course, the, the the newer classics like Akira. Yeah.、Um, cool. Ghost in the Shell.、Uh, I didn't really like Ghost、that. in the Shell. I found it rather drawn out and boring. Well, that's.、Uh, Director's style, because、uh, if you've seen his previous directorial works, like the Pat Labor stuff, that's just his style. He he likes sort of the, the somber,、uh, deeper philosophical side of storytelling with a little bit of a psychedelic feel. That's sort of his signature style. He's always done that. Yeah, that's think- Mamoru Oshii for you. <laughs> What do you think about like the mixing between anime and three D, like in the Apple Seed movie? Personally, me, I wasn't really feeling it. Well, I I went into the Apple Seed movie experience with a bit of a prior experience because the director. I mean, I I know a lot of the CG kids these days don't know much about classic anime, but the director is the guy that directed that the the Bogong Crisis series, and that was a major classic in the eighties, and it was a sort of a, a cyberpunk. Classic. So for for him to direct this, I thought it was perfect. As far as the cell animation goes, the cell shading is sort of hit hit or miss because cell shading doesn't convey various materials very well. You know, you get stuff that's either too shiny or too matte, and you can't really control the aesthetics of where the shadows fall. As easily, but I thought the action scenes were awesome. The storyline, a lot of people complained about it. I didn't think it was that bad, especially from the point of view of someone who is a huge fan of、uh, the original Appleseed graphic novel. Like, yeah, I started reading Appleseed when I was like 14, when it first came out in the 80s. So I know the Appleseed universe intimately, and I thought the film version was pretty refreshing. It's a there's a subtle difference for the even for the personalities of the characters, like Dunin. In the graphic novel, she's not exactly that feminine or emotional as she was in the film, and I thought that was a good touch. It showed her more like someone you can relate to instead of someone who's really, really tough. 
What do you see? What do you think will be the future? You think they'll try more mixing the 3D with the anime? I think it's really about the style of the the art direction because if you mix it right, you can get very unique looks that no one has ever done. Uh, one really good example is uh, one of the segments from Animatrix. Uh, it's the one about the haunted house. I see love that, that one. one? Yeah. See what's what's great about it is um, the way they mapped the traditional background painting that you see from Japanese animation onto 3D environment. I guess they were camera mapped. And what you get is this strange illusion of seeing painted surface actually with depth and you have different layers of movement uh, in perspective. And it's something that that's, I think, highly unique. And I, I, I hope we get to see more of that stuff. And that's just one of the uses of combining uh, traditional 2D and 3D in a unique way that's never been done before. I really hope they do because that one was my favorite of all the Animatrix. The style, the story was very cool. Yeah, um, it had a, a sort of ethereal feel. And as you know from you know my website, my, my website's called Ethereality, so uh, that was right up my alley. <laughs> um, and another thing that I've been trying to look into, but with no success, is doing uh, 3D renderings that, that's got the spontaneity and the artistic feel of oil paintings, or just any painting in general. Um, I think the next step beyond uh, photorealism in 3D rendering is to get into artistic, non-photorealistic rendering. Yeah. So you can you can have, let's say, an uh, entire feature film rendered in the style of oil painting, but it but it's a cons- it's consistent. You know, it doesn't flicker. It doesn't look bad. I mean, we have a lot of people in the academic area of 3D that has done experiments and and research into it. But uh, and I know some people have successfully done it. Uh, maybe not to the complexity of oil painting, but whatever technology they came up with, they're not sharing it because it they they want to keep it in the academic realm. They don't want it to go commercial. I've I've always wanted to do like a movie like that. I was I wanted at, at one time I wanted to make a short and make it look like a painting because to me like doing photorealistic 3D character animation is very pointless because if you have real people just use real people. If you take it to the level of the Final Fantasy movie, then it's pushing it too far because uh, I think it's a waste of a good chance to display great art direction because. It's everything in 3D is completely fabricated. There's no serendipity involved. Like every single frame, every single element in 3D production, everything's fabricated. So here you have a chance to completely design a, a visual style, an entire universe that's highly unique. Uh, yet you choose to replicate reality, uh, and I think it's just uh, pointless. Yeah, well, I mean, I understand why they did it because they 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 wanted to test this benchmark of how far they could push things. One thing they did succeed is that they will go down in history, in in three D history, as the first to have done it to take it to that level. And maybe no one will ever do it again because they saw how pointless it was. But at least they've gone down in the history of three D, right? Yeah, that's true. But the Final Fantasy VII, the characters weren't so bad because they were like a bit stylized and anime-ish. That's not yeah. so bad. But yeah, like, I, I prefer that a lot more. Yeah, because the motions will never look right. It's just too hard. The full-length 3D movie with photorealistic characters is just, just not worth it. Yeah. Um, one thing I've noticed on CG Talk is that, I mean, we have a lot of hobbyists and a lot of younger CG enthusiasts and uh, teenagers 
teenagers and a lot of them because they haven't had a lot of experience in life or they don't know the uh, the 3D industry very well so they're sort of blindly optimistic and they're blindly pro CG and fanatical about CG and I think that's a I mean I can understand when you're really passionate about a hobby or um, a certain creative endeavor but if it blinds you to the bigger picture then it becomes a handicap um, most of them could really get a dose of reality and just turn off their computer, experience the world, go watch some real films, good films. I'm not talking about Hollywood blockbuster productions. I'm talking about, you know, go look at the, the art house films, go look at the classics, you know, films with substance. And a lot of people on CG Talk, they're so enthusiastic. They're saying, well, one day um, CG characters are going to replace real actors and we could do everything virtually, blah, blah, blah. You know, that to me, it, it sounds more like uninformed opinion because if, if you studied real films and you study actors and the complexity of the human biology and even the science of the facial expressions uh, that humans are capable of expressing then you'll come to the realization that cg characters could never replace human actors because acting itself a lot of times it's a very spontaneous thing and if you're trying to replicate that then it becomes overly contrived you're imitating human spontaneity but the act of animating itself is anything but spontaneous it's highly calculated Makes that's why yeah that's why let's say if you listen to uh some some of the best jazz recordings you know you listen to coltrane or or someone the the most brilliant jazz solos are improvised on the spot you know it's not pre-calculated they don't sit there and compose each line each note of that solo you know so if you're trying to to mimic and imitate that spontaneity it just won't feel the same there's no point in trying all right um let's move on to another subject um, okay what do you think is a bad fad in cg right now a bad fad yeah something um, that's besides the orcs well the, the thing about cg is that there are many different fields. Okay, for example, when you say CG, what what comes into your mind? For me, what is CG to you? Uh, like art. The reason I got into CG was to make art, like nice pictures. But so so you're talking about static images, right? Yeah. You're talking about uh, a highly rendered static image. No, like an image that that evokes something that says that says wow. I'm trying to get get out my um get out my message. Mm -hmm. See, CG. If you really look at the enti the entire spectrum of CG, static images is really just one of them. Of course, you have animation, right? You have uh, product visualization. You have architectural visualization. You have medical visualization. You have people that are doing personal images. You know, I guess it's the 3D equivalent of paintings. Uh, they're telling their own stories. They're expressing their own ideas. So there are different industries of CG. So when you ask me what's what's a bad fad, that's really hard to say because you can't lump them all together. Okay. But okay. if you're if you're talking specifically about this kind of stuff that we see on CG Talk, I would probably say that in general, most people that are doing images aren't expressing themselves that much and um, we have we don't have a lot of storytellers people who have something to say with their images of course you know we see the ones that get plugged on the front page or in the cg choice gallery that's the cream of the crop but they are the minority if you 
you look at the majority of the stuff that's posted in the galleries, a lot of them don't have a lot of thought gone into the idea behind the images. A lot of people, I guess if you ask them point blank, okay, what is it that you were trying to express with this image? They probably couldn't tell you beyond, well, it's cool, you know, but you got to break down cool into more than just cool. What What's beyond cool? You know, how many, how many orcs can we have, right? Yeah. How many spaceships, how many orcs can we have before it's just too much? So I, and I, I do believe that we all have something to say, you know, yeah. if, with your, with our images. And I think just that a lot of people, they aren't tapping into it because they grew up with, with science fiction and fantasy. They grew up with CG, with, animation and um a part of their creativity hasn't it hasn't been switched on so they're at the point where they're still mimicking their influences but i think as you get older uh, that part of you it does get switched on and you begin asking your questions okay why am i doing this piece what does it actually accomplish besides putting more orcs on the internet you know yeah. it's like okay we we populated the internet with a huge army a huge work army already. I mean, that army is so powerful that it would just pulverize any you know opposing force. So we don't need any more orcs. You know, give us something different. Goblins next. And, <laughs> <laughs> right, but you know, I think you could just ask yourself: Is there anything that I want to say that's beyond just a cool image? And I'm, I'm not saying it has to be something artsy fartsy because you can certainly do something that's still within the realm of sci-fi and fantasy, but inject something personal into it. Uh, if you have personal beliefs, you know, your your disposition about uh, some of the things that are going on in society or in your personal life, how do you feel about love? How do you feel about betrayal? How do you feel about your relationship with friends or family? Dig but, into these things. But is there like anything you can do to make your image evoke emotion? Is there any anything that helps it evoke emotion? Well, I think the first thing to do is to ask yourself, what, what moves me as a person? Because I don't believe in contriving something to totally for the sake of others okay. because you have to answer to yourself first right so if i'm doing this thing that i don't feel any emotions about but i'm pretty sure it might or will evoke emotions in other people i'm not going to do it because i have to feel it first i mean this is exactly why a lot of hollywood movies that you know they're the result of uh, huge board room meetings by executives who, who thinks they know what's going to make the public tick. And then they end up, you know, giving us piles of crap. That That's the, the case of you not feeling it, but you think other people are going to feel it. You have to feel it yourself. So, you know, ask yourself what moves you as a person. That's, you know, that's awesome. But for example, let's say someone who's got, who's extra sensitive to the issues of morality. You know, some people are more afraid of dying than others, right? right. Some people obsess about it. So if that specific topic, you know, does something for you, then you explore it. Ask yourself, what are the things, let's say in your, your moral standard, you know, the yeah. things that jump out at you, that the things that you're concerned about, the things that you actually, you know, maybe a more a demonstration about you know that's what makes you tick in the, in those areas then you explore those themes wow you changed my my perspective today so to get good art you have to satisfy yourself you have to evoke yourself before you can evoke other people that's what you're saying yeah yeah because if you're not moved then how do you expect to move someone else 
because I, I, I'll tell you something that I, I don't know if it's true for everyone else, but I know for a fact that some writers, and I'm, I'm one of them who, who is that way, is that when you write a passage that's especially moving, whether it's a conversation between characters or uh, you're, you're talking about something that happened to the character, if it's intense enough, you will cry while you're typing out the passage this is what i mean by if you can't move yourself how are you going to move someone else okay i got you i enjoy writing when i write i write something like a story that i would enjoy myself but mm -hmm. i never like go deep into the emotions of like actually crying while i'm typing it my stories are more light light-hearted mm -hmm. and not taking themselves too seriously yeah well then you know if they're if it's light-hearted if it's a comedy or something then you know i hope that you do laugh when you're typing out the funny parts <laughs> yeah I, I enjoy it that's why I, like sometimes like i can't sleep at night I just like oh i need to finish the story and i'm like up all night long just writing away I, I think there's also another third layer to your question because once you identify what is it that you are moved by, what's important to you as a person, uh, then there's also the matter of taste because even someone who's true to their own creative uh, visions and they do work that's completely honest to themselves, it could be all in bad taste. Uh, I'll give you an example. I, I don't mean any disrespect to Boris Vallejo, but uh, a lot of people are not fans of Boris Vallejo, despite the fact that you know he's got really amazing rendering technique, in, you know, with oil his oil paintings. And uh, it's a matter of taste because his taste to most people who I guess uh, you know have more refined taste. But then again, this is subjective, so you know you don't want to be snotty and you know say that okay, we got better taste than. Boris Vallejo, but it is so widely accepted that Boris Vallejo has bad taste because he paints these uh, naked women and you know almost naked barbarians with shiny big muscles and everyone is posing like posing for muscle magazine mm -hmm. and this is why his work will never reach the status of frank frazetta because frank frazetta is raw when he depicts these uh, intense battles between you know barbarians and the apes or whatever there's a sense of savageness yeah I love that. Uh, there's a sense of spontaneity savageness there is a violence that you can feel but with Boris Vallejo, it's opposed. Yeah. It's very clean. It's kind of trite and it's kind of cheesy. It's calculated. Yeah, and it's sort of done in bad taste. So that's what I'm saying is that uh, even being true to yourself, you have to, I don't know, taste is something that's acquired because no one is born with good taste, right? It comes with your experience in life, the education that you, you've received, the amount of uh, self-growth that you've done on your own. And this is not to say that, you know, even if you have a PhD in fine arts, you can still have bad taste because if you go look at the museums and uh, some of the museum curators, you know, <laughs> you got to wonder about their taste. So like I said, it's a, it's a highly subjective thing and, you know, you please yourself first. But and I guess it also depends on how much you care about the opinion of the public. Let's say you, you're doing things that you really love, right? You're expressing yourself 
and you do things that you really dig. But majority of your audience is responding negatively. They're telling you that, dude, you have bad taste. You know, this stuff is just cheesy and stupid. If it doesn't bother you, then, you know, keep doing your thing because that's what makes you happy. But if it does bother you, you might want to look into why people feel that your stuff is crap and then sort of investigate further into what else is available out there. You know, maybe you won't change your mind after you've studied art history and you've looked at all the different styles of artwork out there um maybe even after all that you still believe in what you do and you think what you do is what you know it's true to yourself you haven't been influenced by all these things that you've been exposed to but it also could turn the other way where the more different stuff you're exposed to the more you see the shortcomings of what you've done yeah. And you incorporate these new influences, and this is how you re refine your taste by being exposed to as many things as possible. You know, be a highbrow or lowbrow art, it doesn't matter. Just, you know, look at everything and don't just look at it, but, you know, ask yourself questions when you look at it. Learn about what makes it interesting. Speaking of taste, did you see those renders that the Japanese guy did with the girl being, like, mutilated? Um, oh, yeah, the, the, the controversial one. <laughs> yeah. People are, um, people are saying that it wasn't art, but I think it is because it got such a reaction. I think, like, the point of art is to get a reaction, and it got one hell of a reaction. I didn't really well, mind them, but uh -huh. other people are, like, attacking them. But my point, like, the one with the girl sewing her eye closed i think that was pretty cool but the one when she was dangling with the piano wire that was like ugh, that was horrible well the thing about this guy's work or other works like it is that the first thing that you notice and i think anyone noticed when you look at his collection his, his body of work is that he's got conviction he believes in what he's doing right? right because his work all his stuff they follow a direction that's highly unique that's definitely personal and you know if an artist has conviction that's a that's a great thing because a lot of the stuff you look at out there you know you don't feel that sense of conviction so when you have that and you can also assume that when someone's got conviction they also have passion and with the number of pieces that he's done he's also got dedication and if you look at the subject matter it's certainly not trite it's not something that's that you see a lot and it's not something you could just pass off as disposable art that you when you look at it you can try but you probably won't be able to walk away unaffected by it it's done its job it's done something to you it made you feel emotions it made you question morality so how can you say it's not art exactly that's like i hope my images in the future will have effects like that and I think, like, before we started recording, you were saying that you have a certain distaste for abstract art. And if you compare this guy's work to, let's say, abstract art, it's a lot easier to look at a piece of abstract art. Well, I'm sort of generalizing, but, you know, if you look at splatters of paint or, you know, little squares of different colors or uh, smudges of different colors or things like that, or even, you know, something a little bit more concrete, like, you know, cubism or whatever. Uh, I don't Just really... the entire spectrum of, of modern art, right? You can actually walk away from most of relatively intact your sanity, your, you know, you won't be questioning your moral standard or asking the more, I guess, morbid or touchy or sensitive questions as you would with this guy's work. So in a way, this guy's controversial 3D works evokes far more than most, you know, highly prized modern art out there because it's something that you can't resist. 
responding to, right? That's it's potent. True. It's in your face. And if you you can't even fight it, you know, you, you will walk away feeling something, questioning something. And that's why it generated so much discussion. But to get those reactions, do I need to have a subject matter like that or... Do you think it's possible? No, I don't. I don't think it has to be extreme or it has to be morally questionable. I mean, look at the response that Linda Berkowitz. You know, her stuff is just pure beauty. You know, I mean, she's got a little bit of that gothy thing going on, but it's it's fairly subtle. But you know, people walk away from her works just you know stunned by the sheer beauty of it. Right. Right. It's beautiful. And that's 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 a very different uh, reaction, but it's not any less potent. So yeah, I mean, you don't have to have something morbid. But like, oh, yes, okay, you okay. It's <laughs> a good point. <laughs> but what else do you think could influence people to make better art? Like, not everybody can have the privilege of like traveling the world and getting influenced. And TV is not that original. But what what else do you think people could do to get more inspired to do more original things? Well, I think there are mainly two elements. One is outside influences, and one is what's inside of you. Because if you think about it, a lot of the images that comes up in your dreams, that's some great. Material right there because you are in a state of mind where you're not controlling things, so it's like your mind unleashed, and it just it does its own thing. So you can't get that when you're awake uh, because you you have too much control when you're awake. So you know, make a habit of remembering your dreams when you wake up. Write them down. What I do is that I'll just sketch it out. I have a series of images that's directly from my dreams, and、um, and they tend to be kind of I don't know how to describe them. They're they're not really abstract because they're concrete images, but they're things that I probably wouldn't have come up with. For example,、uh, in one of my dreams, I was walking across this really long pathway, and it's got water surrounding it, but the whole thing is enclosed in this. What it looks like a gigantic water tank, and the enclosure is is circular. It's round, and the walls are really, really, really tall. But if you look up, you can see the sky. This thing's probably like twenty floors tall. It's a huge,、uh, probably the size of like a football field, but it's round, it's circular. So it's a it's a path that's、uh, cutting through the water, straight in the middle, and you can see the sky up above. And the circular wall, it's got murals painted on it. So you know that's not something I would have come up with awake, but it was in my dream, and so I sketched it down. I mean, the sketch is not very detailed; it just you know. Sketchy lines indicating where everything is, but that thing is there. If I ever want to go back and actually, you know, finish it as a painting, so dreams are are very good、uh, resources for creativity. And you know, like I said,、um, outside influences. You don't have to really travel the world. I mean, we're in in the twenty first century with broadband connection. You can't see it. Just about anything on the internet these days. Of course, the reproduction sucks. You、yeah. have JPEG com- compression, small size. I mean, you look at a John Singer Sargent on the internet. It is nothing like looking at a real piece of John Singer Sargent painting in front of you. Even in really well printed books. I mean, I collect. John Singer Sargent's books. I have like a huge stack、uh, of just about every single book that's ever published about him. And even in the best reproductions,、um, I remember、uh, in 2001 I went to see a, a Sargent show in Seattle, and there was a painting I've seen before many times in print. But you know, it really didn't do anything for me. I, I would never say that's one of my favorite Sargent pieces. It's like ah,、oh, it's a little, it's okay piece. But when I saw it in person, I hardly recognized the same painting, and I did a double take and. I was amazed. This the sense of majesty 
it was a, this rock formation on on a printed page it just looks like a bunch of rocks but in front of you this thing shimmered i mean you were there standing in this majestic rock formation with the sun shining down on it and the glistening of the moisture on the rocks and it was just incredible that's when i realized you have to see the actual painting you know you can't just look at prints uh, they don't do the paintings justice but even if you don't get to see the original paintings you get exposed to different ideas so use the internet it's like you know your fingertips can walk around this world and a lot of people are not using that resource I think it's actually kind of sad because you're given this incredible gift. I mean, if I had the internet when I was younger, maybe my life would be different now. Uh, it's like a huge virtual encyclopedia of everything that you really want to know. And it's all there for free. Why not use it? It's true. But for like a cool site I know where you can search for photos is Corbis.com. I've searched, I've used it to search for like images around the world and it's pretty good. But sometimes images... A photo doesn't really capture it, but like sometimes I go outside, look around, look at the sunset, and that just like blows me away. But I think people should like go outside more instead of staying in front of their computers to get their ideas. Yeah, um, especially pho uh, photography. Photos in themselves, they don't have a lot of dynamic range. They're quite a few stops lower than the, the human vision uh, spectrum. So when you look at photos, you're getting a compressed range of dynamics and you're not getting the whole picture. So this is why, for example, when you take uh, photos, you must have enough light. If you don't, then you underexpose or your shutter speed is too long. Photography is, is like a series of compromises and you got to jump through these hoops to get the images that you want. So when you look at photo references, you're looking at a distorted reality. It's, it's not real. I mean, it is real, but it's a compressed, it's like looking at, you know, a high resolution TIFF file or a highly compressed JPEG. That even in that in itself, that's a huge difference. And then you compare that to reality where, you know, has no our depth. vision, yeah, I mean, our human vision, the dynamic range is so much wider. You can see all the, all the nuances, the subtleties that would get lost when translated to photographs. So observing reality is a huge deal. Even like one of the favorite pastimes for serious artists or even non-artists, um, a lot of my friends were not artists, but they love people watching. They love just sitting at a restaurant or a cafe or, you know, on a bench at a mall or in a park. And they just, they could watch people for hours because, you know, people are fascinating. I mean, they're certainly more fascinating than pictures on the internet, I think. Yeah, I'm guilty of that. I've, I've like watched people and like notice their characteristics, what they do. And it gives me like ideas for stuff, for, like images or characters in a story. I, the people, yeah. watch, but I've normally done the people watching, but subconsciously. But I've never, mm -hmm. I've never noticed that people like would do it consciously to get ideas. But that's cool. I think I want to do it more often, in a non creepy yeah, well, way. You got to be careful because, yeah, you know, they think you're a psycho killer. Yeah. <laughs> and. and uh, and it's like, especially in the States, you know, let's say you're doing uh, animation for these uh, children characters, right? So you go to the park and, you know, you're studying like the little kids running around and the parents are looking at you like, oh man, this guy must be like a sex offender. <laughs> yeah, but I, I used to do it in class, like when, no, when, when the teachers weren't around, we would just like look around and see what everybody's doing. Notice that one mm -hmm. person does this and I like started notice, noticing a lot of different things about people. Yeah. I, like if I could, like when I closed my eyes, I would just like focus listening and you could hear 
like if you just close your eyes and just listen you can hear a lot of different things but i'm yeah. just, but like if like you really focus on what on looking i think you can get like the same same effect i guess what you could do is that you can uh cut out your hearing you know like cover your ears and then you know just concentrate on the visuals maybe you get the same effect like they say blind people have really sharp hearing it's because that's all they have to navigate the world so it's highly developed because they're sharpened every day that's what they use so maybe you could sort of try the same thing by covering your ears so there's no sound and just look or you know, even try this like um, take a, a a digital cam a video camera and um, just take footages of you know go to go go to the streets take footages of, of people everyday people but watch it without the sound uh-huh. just look at the movements yeah. right yeah i want to try that yeah try it i'll tell you how it works out um <laughs> okay <laughs> um another thing that's important in art is the mood like mm-hmm. getting the right mood is sometimes not very easy like one time i was trying to make a creature uh, i had a, a knight and i wanted to make him look scary but he kept looking very heroic and i could not capture the right mood do you have any mm-hmm. ideas how to capture the the right mood well first i i think this has to do with having uh, a strong foundation in the basics of art that, and that's that's actually the main reason why i created the the art techniques and, and theories forum at CG talk was because I noticed that there's a, a lack of that foundation for most people that are into CG. See, I mean, I hang out at a lot of forums, you know, from like music to photography to art and all that. And the other art forums I go to, that problem isn't as obvious. It's not as severe because, you know, you go to Sijin or Concept Art or Ipu or, you know, one of those. You know, people generally have a strong foundation in the basics of art because that's their thing. But a CG, a 3D website where, you know, the emphasis is on 3D, then, you know, that's a huge difference where the people, most of them don't really have a clue about the basics of art. They got into CG because they're fascinated by special effects, by, you know, video games or 3D animation, and they just sort of tackle the 3D side of everything, and they're not prepared. For the um, artistic side. Yeah, and a lot of them are not even interested in it. I mean, the, the fact that you see people posting questions all the time saying, does drawing really help 3D? You know, that just shows you, you know, that lack of understanding of the relationship between the discipline of visual art, period, how it relates to 3D. I mean, 3D is still visual art and people are not making that connection. Um, that's, I don't know, it's, it's sort of like someone asking, well, does grammar really help me write silly jokes? You know, the two are directly related, so... But they're not required. Yeah, so I think what the problem that you had with making the knight look scary, uh, but instead he was looking heroic, might be a number of things. So everything about visual art can be broken down to the foundations. You know, we have composition, we have color, you know, various color temperatures. We have, you know, perspective. We have various rendering styles. You know, you can render something really tight and detailed and polished, or you can do it very impressionistic, very rough. And then, you know, you have the more technical side of stuff like, you know, anatomy, this and that. Then you have values, you have lighting. All these things contribute to mood. So if you think about it, uh, let's say, because, I mean, I haven't seen that image we're talking about. Like, you know, if you could, like, shoot me over a file, if I could look at it, I'm sure I could 
tell you more, but here are some tricks that you can do. For example, use perspective to evoke a sense of like、um, oppression or larger than life. You know, use warm's eye where the angle is that you're looking up at something that's towering over you. That creates a sense of oppressive presence.、Okay. And then also with color temperature, colder colors tend to be eerie. You know, your blues and greens and purples and you know things like that, where warm colors. Tend to be more inviting,、uh, and and also another thing is that contrast and value. If you have strong contrast with dark, dark shadows, and very harsh lighting, and you know, especially for example, like、uh, the, the the human face, if you have shadows casting over the the features that are vital for expressing emotions, then it creates a sense of mystery because these features are veiled in shadows that you can't read the expression. Therefore, if you compound that with really cold colors and really harsh lighting and oppressive perspective, then you know you're definitely going to get a scary-looking thing. Okay, I, my problem was mostly the colors. I was using.、Uh... A red to、mm-hmm. as a back as fill lighting. I should have used the blue to make no, it. No, I mean even even if your image、uh, has a lot of red in it, you could still use the other elements like you know composition and perspective and values contrast. You can still use those, and the, you can still get the effect that you're after because. Simply changing the color is not going to do it. Okay. You know, it has to be all these different things working together. It's like,、um, okay, it's like a level of degrees. For example,、uh, are are you into music? Yes. Okay, I'll, I'll use a musical example. Of, like for, for the people that are listening that are into music or do music, I think they will understand what I mean. Let's say you take a song, right? You have a song, and、uh, let's say currently the song is playing the style of rock. You know, the the drummer, the guitarist, the bassist,、uh, maybe the keyboardist—they're playing the style of rock. They're playing in like a pentatonic scale,、uh, that's like the five-note scale, where a lot of rock music is written in that. You know, maybe something a little bit bluesy、uh, with the blues scale. But let's say you start、uh, taking the drummer and you go and you make him shuffle more, and you know, then you maybe you make him use the the brush instead of the this drumstick. Now you have one element that's starting to shift toward jazz, right? Okay. But because of the other, the guitars, the basses, and the keyboard, they're still playing the style of of rock and blues. So that's only one element. It's not going to completely shift the entire feel of the song into jazz. So what happens is that you got to get the the keyboard to start playing some jazz riffs, maybe some major minor seventh chords or something like that.、Um, maybe improvise a little bit. They get the guitarist to strum and play in octaves, and maybe you get the basses to you know. Hey, switch out his、uh, his Fender bass with、uh, upright bass and start playing、uh, a jazzy bass line. So you you have to sort of look at the degrees of each element. Okay. It's the same thing with art. So you know these different instruments are like composition and perspective and color, and you know whatever they all have degrees. So if you start shifting enough of them, so that the majority starts to shift into another move, then you start. To get the effect that you want. Okay. So they have to sort of work in conjunction together. I'm getting what you're saying. All of the elements have to come together to get the exactly. Right so simply changing one element is not enough to to switch the mood over. Okay, I'm getting. I think I think I'm getting. I'm I'm starting to find out what was wrong with my image. It it wasn't、okay. it wasn't very it wasn't looking heroic. I I got it past the heroic, but it wasn't looking. That's scary,、mm-hmm. but I sent you a link to it so you can check it out in the chat. Okay, you can see、All、what、right. I was doing wrong. Okay, I just clicked on it.
and it's uh, connecting right now. Let's see what we can see. Okay. Okay, it's a 3D piece. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I can see the piece now. You got this uh, this cloud of fog sort of emanating. It, it was supposed to be like a ghost. Armor. Okay. Okay. Um, I think you should probably post this on CG Talk so that when people listen to this this uh, CG cast, they can look at the image so that they could see what I'm describing and and talking about. So I guess we could we'll do a little like troubleshooting <laughs> with this piece. All right. Um. So this is just like based on my perspective. Right. Maybe like uh, another artist will have a totally different take, but you know I can only talk about things from my perspective, uh, and it's not by any means correct. Um, so I think for one thing, this cloud of um, steam you have coming out of the armor, it looks like steam or smoke. It doesn't look like a, a phantom or a ghost. What you could do is give it color, give it a glow, All maybe right. a greenish greenish glow or bluish glow or or something and also your lighting right now i think is probably too plain and direct okay um it doesn't have enough directional lighting and for example the, oh yeah and the, uh, the glow uh, let's say his helmet right okay. why not have uh, a glow for where his eyes are okay i mean anyone whose eyes glow will look airy <laughs> You know, if you look if you look at like photos of people at parties, you know, if they got that red glowing eye, they look like demons. Yeah. So, so you know, give him a glowing eye. It could be red, could be green, could be purple. So, like, I will probably do a harsh lighting. You could do it from above, from below, from like a rim lighting from sort of the towards the back, a little bit to the side, and also the pose itself. It's not very scary. He's just holding his sword no you could have him face the camera do like a sort of a more iconic type of composition where he's looking at you but he's towering above you so you're sort of looking up at him okay and you know he looks like he could just fall on you and crush you kind of a perspective right. and then you see that glow from inside his helmet and then you have that ghostly glow of you know the phantom sort of emanating from his armor then you have this you know maybe like a backlighting so you see a silhouette of him, but you have uh, a darker ambient light, so you can still see enough of him in the front. That's you know, so that you don't get a completely black silhouette. So all these things are things that you could do. The pose itself, like you know, he could be facing the camera, but you could have him maybe holding the sword above his head, or maybe he's pointing the sword directly at your nose, between your eyes, or something, and then you get that foreshortening. The blade, you know, when it when it's close to you, it's like this huge blade. So that foreshortening effect could also work. So I mean, there are a number of things you can do with this image to give it that scary feel that you're after. That's some very helpful things. I want to try and change it up and do exactly mm -hmm. what you said, and we'll see the results. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. Make sure you post it on CG Talk so people could see it. I will. I think that's about it for today. I would have, we've gone about one hour of talking. <laughs> really? Yeah, time flies. Okay. I just want I just want to say thank you for coming on the show. Mm -hmm. And sure. I would love if you could come again in the future sometime. But the time zones are kind of hard, but we can find out. Maybe in the future you can come again and share your wisdom. Sure. All right. Uh, I, I don't know if I call it wisdom. It's just my perspective of what I've learned so far. And, you know, I mean, like I said, someone else could have a completely different set of ideas and they might disagree with a lot of things I've said and I'm by no means an authority on anything I've said uh, it's just my perspective and the thing is I'm learning 
myself too. I definitely, you know, not, I mean, I have my heroes that I look up to and compared to them, I'm like, you know, I, I want to kill myself <laughs> when I look at some of my heroes works. I just think I'm worthless. You know, why am I even doing this? Why don't I go be a farmer? You know, and it's like, forget this. You know, there are, you know, there are these creative geniuses out there. You know, who, who the hell am I? You know, what business do I have doing any of these things? I mean, sometimes that's the way I feel. But, uh, you know, but if you really love it, uh, it doesn't matter because you're doing it because it, it makes you feel alive because you don't, you don't know a better way to live a happier life. This is what makes you happy so you do it so you know i know there are people out there who don't like my work uh, you know or maybe they don't even like my personality but you know this is just the way i am this is who i am and uh and you can't yeah. Please everybody. so yeah exactly so like i said you know a lot of things i've said you know but you have experience you know, and that counts for something yeah but someone else could have a complete different set of experience and you know they, they might come on the show and contradict everything i've said and said well you know i don't think rob knows what he's talking about you know everything he said is uh, it's all totally subjective there's nothing objective about what he said and you know and i have more experience than him so listen to me don't listen to rob so yeah you know if, if don't take what i said as like you know, the answer because it's not. It's in my perspective. You know, there are people out there that's more talented than I am, that have more experience, that are probably smarter. So, but, you know, my, what I've said, it's just a point of reference. You can refer to it if it helps you, but don't take it as, you know, I mean, I'm sure a lot of the people won't because, you know, everyone's got their own, own perspective on how things are done. And we have plenty of really talented artists on CG Talk. And there are also a lot of people who's got decades of experience working in the CG field. So, yeah. Uh, but I'm, I'm sure that a lot, some of the things I've said could be helpful for the novices and the people that are still learning. Because some of the things I said are sort of widely accepted as a universal truth in art. Like, for example, when I talk about the foundations of art, that's widely accepted by, you know, anyone who knows anything about art or have a certain amount of experience. So those things are not that subjective you know i guess you could call them objective things but anyways i, I had a good time and uh and i'll have, be happy to come on the show again thanks again uh, we were supposed to have two other people joining us but they couldn't make it so the show was kind of done on the fly but do you have any final comments anything you'd like to um, say well final comments well i guess there's one thing that i mean it's it's just uh you know, it's just something about me that I think that people might or might not want to know is that even though I'm on CG Talk, and even though I'm highly involved behind the scenes at CG Talk and I'm very active and, and, I, and I'm also part of the CG industry. I've worked in video games. I've worked in CG animation. You know, I've been an art director. I've been an uh, animation director and all that stuff. But my real passion is in storytelling. Uh, you know, I'm mostly a storyteller. I, I write screenplays. I write novels. And I also have, like, other passions that, like, my first love is music. You know, I, I've loved music ever since I was a kid. So, you know, I, I compose music. That's, like, my first love. And I also take photography. I write. And, you know, I'm involved in filmmaking and all that other stuff. So a lot of times on CG Talk, it might seem like I'm sort of anti-CG, but I'm not. It's just that I come from a different perspective where I think CG is just the tool for people to realize their creative visions. But too many people dwell on the tools and on the technical aspects of CG 
and they're losing sight of the creative vision. And that's why sometimes I, I, I might go out of my way to try to debate people. And I'll, I'll make comments that seems like I don't like CG, but that's not true. It's just a different perspective. That's all. I get what you're saying. Um, they fo mm -hmm. don't focus too much on the tool. It's the artist, not the tool. Yeah. Well, and then again, you know, for people that are actually production artists working in studios, that is their life. And for example, like uh, Le, uh, Le um, she, is it Leah? Leah? Lee. Lee? It's Lee. Yeah. Um, for example, she's said many times on the forum that she's one of those people that doesn't get off on, you know, being all artsy-fartsy and, you know, creative vision and all that stuff. She she enjoys being a production artist. That's what she likes. And that's fine because without these production artists, you know, the storytellers would have no story to tell on the screen. You know, like, what are you going to do? Are you going to go animate an entire feature film by yourself? No, you're not. So, and that's that's valid as well because that's what makes them happy. But I also know that Lee is a huge music fanatic. So, you know, she's got like passions outside of CG as well. Um, so for the production oriented people, you know, they, they will focus more on the tools and the techniques and, you know, less on the, the creative side. And that's fine because that is their career. That's their job. So, like I said, it's just, you know, it's a, it's a different perspective. Yeah, it depends on people, on the, on the people. Um, yeah. w one more question I forgot to ask. This will be the last question. What's your goal okay. in life? What do you want to do? What do you want to make sure you do before you die? Well, if you're talking about like more concrete stuff, like actual goals, yeah, you, you know, I, I love to, I would love to, you know, just direct feature films, and I don't even care about like you know commercial success. I just want critical acclaim because I think that's a lot more important. You know, even though if the films lose money, I don't care. You know, because I need to please myself. I need to do something that I can be proud of, and I love feature films. So that's one. And of course, you know, I'm passionate about music, but you know, I don't care about critical. I mean, like you know, winning awards or anything. I just want to just keep on making music because the act of composing and arranging and recording music makes me happy. When I'm doing it, I'm in a different universe. So I just want to keep on doing that. I want to have more free time to do it because right now I'm so busy. I don't have time. I just want to keep on doing all the things I enjoy doing, you know, like writing, music, photography, art. And um, like I, w I would love to have my novels published. And the same thing, I don't want commercial success. I just want critical acclaim. I want people to like what I do. And then another perspective of like what I want out of life is that even if I never accomplish any of these goals, let's say if I never create anything again, I live a normal life. But as long as like when I'm in my deathbed and I'm ready to die, I just want to be able to be completely honest with myself and say that I have lived a life without regrets. You know, I have felt all the things I want to feel. Uh, I've done the things I wanted to do. I've had a full life, you know, I've loved people, I've been loved by people, you know, I've done things that I'm proud of, um, you know, the person that I am, I feel like I'm a good person, I have no regrets, and I could die happy, and I think that's probably more important than any goal, because a lot of times you have this goal, this dream, and you try to strive for it, but along the way, you might have made sacrifices, lost things that you'll never get back again, but while we are doing it, you don't see it. It's only until you've reached your goal, you've done what you wanted to do, then you look back and go, oh my God, I have lost so much along the way. And these things are actually more precious than this goal of mine. So ambition is good and all that, but make sure that you don't lose out and miss out on a lot of the precious moments in life or that dream of yours. Because 
it may or may not be worth it. Wow, that's, so it's extremely deep. <laughs> well, I, I don't know if it's deep, but it's just you know, I mean, who wouldn't want to die without regrets, right? Why why would you choose to die with regrets, right? So make sure that you don't have a whole lot of regrets. You know, pay attention to to what's going on in your life. You know, your relationship with family and friends, and your own personal health and your own, own personal growth. You know, like for for example, a lot of CG kids, they just want to work in video games. That's like, like their dream. They don't care if they get paid crap. They don't care if they work long hours. They don't care have no life. They just want to be involved in the video games because that's their passion. But a lot of people who's gotten there. And they they ended up having a family, gotten married, and they've gotten older. Then they start to realize, uh oh, you know, this is not gelling well with what's happened to me and my personal growth. I need personal time. I need personal time to be a person, not just a production guy for a game company. Then you know, the, there's conflict of interest. So for a lot of the younger people, have your goals, but you got to keep a good balance. You can't. You know, don't screw up your health. Don't screw up your personal life, because in the end, it might not be worth it. You know, you're, you're going to be this lonely guy who sits in front of uh, the monitor to glow, totally in the dark, moving UV mapping coordinates, and you know, doing the you know the 100th render pass on something, and you have no one to go home to. You have no one to talk to. No one to care about you if you catch a cold and get sick and you can't come to work. You're just gonna be home miserable, you know, sniffling and you have a headache and you're laying in bed with a fever. No one's gonna come here, come to you and and care for you. So you know, balance out your life, live a full life. You know, have your dreams but live a full life. So yeah, there you go. That's that's awesome. The one hour that we've been talking, one hour twelve minutes we've been talking, you've given me a new perspective on a lot of things. Just want to say thanks. Well, you're welcome. And、uh, yeah, see you see you guys on the forum. Okay, see you on the forums too. Cut.